so you ever watch God's timing is perfect, right? But we don't get it. We don't get it. We don't understand what God's doing and why he's doing it. So Friday night, a few people were fortunate enough to go and enjoy Elevation Worship at Golden One Center. Who all went? Rock on. It was off the hook. And uh, I was like, man, I'm going to get a band of people up here so that when I'm getting ready and I start getting excited and I start saying something that's like absolute truth and pump you up, that Greg's going to be up here just rocking out and building it up, man. That was happening for Steven. It was off the hook. I was like, wow, you go, boy. He just starts getting loud and they start playing the music and the whole arena was like going off the chart. I'm like, he just said comma. But his message made so much sense. And his wife's little tidbit really tied into where I was at today this week. And Javier's like, what are you going to get from Steven and the guys that's going to, you're going to carry a church? I'm like, I don't know, but it'll be something. And of course it happened, right? So, uh, so I, I, I finished the message early in the week, but I wanted to put in all my talking points in my notes. And, um. I started to think, when I, looked at, when I looked at the message again, and I just looked at the nuts and the bolts, and I was like, it spoke out to me, why is this happening? Why is this happening? This is why I grabbed the board. Because this is what life looks like in the lives of two different people. There's two different people in this world, believers and non-believers. We live in a spiritual world. There are believers and there are non-believers. And they all ask this question. Why is this happening? For the non-believer, the first answer is this. And then they ask a believer, why is this happening? We start with this. And they say, because what? And I say, because God. And then they're like, because God what? You're going to go into that Christian thing now? And I say, because God has. And go, God has what, Chris? What does that even mean? Quit talking to me all spiritual and guru and wisdom-like. Well, I'm not liking it. What does that mean? What do you mean God has a plan? A plan what? To ruin everything? A plan to upset me? A plan to not make things go my way? For your life. That's it. And it starts in that slow process. But it goes the other way. Because we're believers now. And we go the opposite direction when we're a believer. It's really weird. Let me point this out to you. This, this came to me. So you got a believer 
And you know the word. You've read it. You've studied it. You've read, you've read Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you to prosper you. You're like, okay, why is this happening, pastor? And I say, because God has a plan for your life. And they say, what does that even mean? And I say, well, God has a plan. It's in the Bible. Well, what, what plan? What's he doing? Well, I say, because God has. He has everything. He's in control. Yeah, but I'm, I don't get it, Chris. Everything was going perfect in my life. Why is this happening? And then I take that part off and I really stun him. Because God. Oh, now you're getting all metaphorical, Chris. Now you want to be like Pastor Steve, Chris. Because God. He would, if right now Stephen Furtick was here, he'd be like, because God. And you guys would be getting up and yelling and screaming. And the organ would be playing. Because God. And they go, but, but Chris, you don't get it. It's not comfortable. I've been coming to church for four years. I was dating that girl. I was going to ask her to marry me. I had this cool job. And everything started falling apart. I don't get it. Why? And then I just say, because. And they go, because what? What does that even mean? And they have to write the whole thing back out for them. And that's what we do as believers. And that ties into, okay, I'm done with that. That ties into, it ties into what I was going to teach on today and what I heard on Friday night that inspired me even greater. Because you remember I've told you guys this. This is what the life of a believer looks like. Remember I told you something. I've taught you guys this before. God answers prayer how many ways? Thank you, Bill. God answers prayer three ways. Yes, no, and later. And you only hear yes. No and later sound like there is no God. Are you sure? Why is this happening? Because you don't know how to sit. You don't know how to be still and know that he's God. You don't know how to read the whole sentence and in there and trust him. We don't do that. We just keep saying, why is this happening? So Pastor Stephen's wife, she uh, got up with this really cool analogy. She was like, wouldn't it be awesome if God was like DoorDash? And we cracking up, right? We're all like 11,000 people. We're laughing. We're trying to get it. But we get it. We know where she's going with it. And she's like, you know, and this is the why is this happening? You know, like. Are you waiting for a man? Wouldn't it be cool if God was like DoorDash and be like, he's losing his job in Tennessee, but he's moving to Sacramento next month and you're following it on the tracker. This is what's going to happen in your life. God's bringing that guy. Right? That's what she said. It was funny. We were rolling. So what I got out of that was, and, and she explained the same thing. If God gave you the answer to everything in your life and you knew what was going to happen, you wouldn't have any faith. 
You'd have no drive. And you'd only be focused on the problems, she said. And I thought about that for a moment, and I said, you know what? She's right. If God was like DoorDash, the only question I ever have, all the time, the main question I have as a believer is, why is this happening? What? Why would I ask if something's happening? Because it's bothering me. Because it's something I don't understand. Because it's something that's got me rattled. Usually those are called problems. So my focus would be on problems and when God's going to solve them. That's all I would be worried about. I'd be looking ahead like, am I going to get sick anytime soon? Okay, what's that going to look like? Okay, am I going to be recovered from that? Am I going to heal from that? You wouldn't be looking at what God was going to do in your life that's awesome. You'd be looking at the problems to come and how to avoid them. And then you'd think, you're God. You'd be like, God had it planned that on the 12th day of this month I was going to do this, so I'm not even going to be there that day. Okay, Jonah. Right? DoorDash, I like that. When we don't see the end destination, we don't understand and we always ask, why is this happening? We want to understand. Right? Don't you want to understand? And you wish you had a Joseph to interpret what was going to happen, yes? Joseph was that first. Joseph was going to be the first image of a savior to Israel, which I've told you 12 times or more. I led you up to Joseph before we even got to Joseph. What do we got in the picture? There he is, the dreamer. Now he's interpreting dreams. Dreams. Joseph was the first person to be prophetic in the Old Testament. You look at Joseph and you're like, dude. The dude was like sold by his brothers. He went to Egypt. He got thrown in jail. And then he rose up to power under Pharaoh's house. And then he saved his people. Joseph was awesome. I'm sorry if you were Joseph, you'd be crying out every day. Why is this happening to me? I'm the son of Rachel. I'm the one who had the really nice robe. I was the one who had a dream that all my brothers were going to bow down to me and my dad. Why is this happening? Right? Isn't that what you would be saying? You think the story of Joseph is cool and awesome? If that stuff was happening to you, you'd be crying all day, every day. I would not be happy. But Joseph didn't lose his faith, man. He didn't. Let's read. Uh, jo uh, Genesis 40. You hear that? We're almost out of Genesis, guys. Hallelujah. The vision for 2023 is coming. We're praying that in. No. No, no. We're going to bring New Testament. We're going to hear some Holy Spirit stuff. We're going to get fired up. 2023 is going to be a year of fire. Come on. All right. 
let's read, let's read what let's read what happened in the life of Joseph here. The dreamer, the interpreter. The man who wants to know why is this happening. I gave you the run back. I'm going to run it back to you one last time, and I'm going to read. Joseph was the son of Rachel, the wife that Jacob loved. Joseph had a baby brother, and during childbirth, his mother dies. Parental favoritism occurring again. Joseph is the favorite child. Joseph gets the fancy robe. Joseph probably had the parties, and the dad probably slaughtered calves and made him feel really happy to be him. I made that up, but it sounds like it would have happened. This Joseph was the guy. Joseph was the guy that his father sent to check on what was going with his brothers. So he felt important. He felt special. And all that's taken from him when his brothers first plot to kill him, and then they end up throwing him in the pit and selling him to the Ishmaelites who eventually sell him to Potiphar, right? What's the first question that you have after you'd had the dream that your brothers and your dad were going to be bowing down to you, and now your brothers wanted to kill you and you're on your way to Egypt? You're not asking God like, all right, God, I'm waiting for this to happen. This is part of the plan. No. You're crying out, why is this happening? So now we're going to dive into the story. Because now he went to Potiphar's house, right? Okay, now he's in Egypt. And he's like, okay, I don't know why I'm here. But wait a minute. This guy trusts me and he's put me in charge of all his house. He's given me everything. The God of my father and the God of his father and the God of his father is on my side. I am blessed. I am in favor. Everything is going great. He tried to touch me. And in jail you go, why is this happening? Wow, I thought I was going to be somebody here now. Well, now I'm in jail. Now I'm not being sold. Now I'm in jail. If you've ever been to jail, you live in the United States. Jail's not a fun place. But you're also very taken care of in United States jails. So I want you to imagine that this is probably the worst possible conditions you could imagine. This is the kind of jail he was in. It came to pass after these things. He's been in jail for a minute. And he's in charge. In jail. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison. Oddly enough, the place where Joseph was confined. Why is this happening? And the captain of the guards charged Joseph with them. And he served them, so they were in custody for a while. I know that the Old Testament can kind of bounce around and you could lose years. So I don't know what a while is, but they use the word while, so I'm certain it was a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison had a dream. Both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. And they looked at him and they said, why is this happening? I made that up. 
they did say to him, we've each had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, I'm your huckleberry. No. He said, do not interpretations belong to God? Gosh, this guy hasn't lost his faith. Tell them to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold in a dream, behold in my dream, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. Three branches or three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house, for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. This is my favorite part of the story. Very sad. Very sad part of the story. Hey, 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 Joseph, Joseph. Pharaoh's going to take care of this guy. What, what does my dream mean? What, what, what about me? We've been in here a while. I'm hungry. I'm scared. I don't know why this is happening. Give me some of the same good news. It's not good. Guys, wasn't good for this guy. When the chief baker saw the interpretation was good, he got excited, and he said to Joseph, I was also in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. Maybe they mean three days. I'm going to get out of here too. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph cut him off. <laughs> so Joseph answered him and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Wow, that was not the news this guy was looking for. In fact, if you were Joseph, you might have wanted to fib. Man, in three days, Pharaoh's going to take care of you too. Whew, get away from this guy. No, Joseph was bold. Joseph spoke the truth just like he did with his dad, and he gave a bad report on his brothers. He spoke the truth. Something that Stephen Furtick said, we talked about Peter on Friday night. And he told this story about his kid and his friend that lined up. He said his friend told him this story about lining up all the kids. I'll summarize it. And he told his son, he's like, if I lined up every kid in the world, I'd pick you to be my son. And his son said to him, got smart and philosophical, said, well, how would you know you haven't seen every kid in the world? So then he did to his second kid. And his second kid turned around and did something similar. So then he was telling us this story because he was lining it up to say Peter was going to be the first guy in the New Testament to perform a miracle at the gates. When Peter said to the guy, silver and gold I do not have, 
But what I do have, I give you. And he gave him Jesus, and he told him, get up and walk. It was the first guy. And what he was saying was that if God lined up everybody in the world from the beginning of time till now, Peter was the guy he picked. Yes, Peter, the guy who said, take me out on the water, and then he sank. The guy who said, I'll never let that happen to you, Lord. I will never deny you. And he denied him three times. And the same dude who cut off the ear of the guard when he was getting arrested. This is the guy God picked. Because God has a plan for your life. Maybe you've experienced loss that you don't understand. Maybe because God made you strong enough to help other people that are going to go through the same loss. Maybe you lost your job and you lost your home because God made you strong enough that when you went through that season that you were going to be able to walk other people who were not strong enough to walk through it alone. God has a plan for every single one of us. Your plan may be simple or difficult. Your plan may be that you went to church from the time you were seven till you were 48 and you drank and you sinned like a sinner on a sinner night. But somewhere at 48, you decided to give your life back to the Lord for the 78th time. And some young kid came and sat down next to you, and you shared your life with him really fast, and he said, I don't ever want to be that way. And all of a sudden, he becomes the next Billy Graham. That was your purpose. Well, that sucked. It is what it is. God has a plan for your life. So Joseph was God's guy. Joseph didn't pick Abraham. I said this before, I believe. God didn't pick Abraham, Noah, Jacob, Isaac, none of those guys. Joseph was the guy who was going to be his first image of a savior. Joseph. He lined up everybody in the world and said, who's going to be my guy who's going to be faithful? Who's it going to be? Who's going to go? Who's going to get sold? Be able to walk through it. Get Sold into Egypt, thrown in jail, stand on his faith, remember the plans and the dreams I gave him, and save his people. Who's that going to be? I lined up everybody in the world and I picked Joseph. That's what God did. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, Pharaoh had a huge party. He made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and the chief baker amongst his servants, and he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to him. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph but forgot him. There's a comma there. But the chief butler did not remember Joseph, comma, but forgot him. But let me tell you something. He will remember him. Later. Hey, I gave you this interpretation. Don't forget about me. Lord, don't let him forget about me. Later. 
Why is this happening to me? Number one today, Joseph did not lose faith in God's promise. Joseph did not lose faith in God's promise when things got tough, when he ended up in this jail, when he'd been sold from his family, had his expensive robes stripped off him, when now he's been lied about. Let's put it this way. Do you think you would ever be restored to leading a nation if you were accused next week of assaulting a governor's wife? And you went to jail for it. Guilty. Right? This is the situation Joseph was in. And he didn't lose his faith. He proved this by his willingness to interpret dreams. Oh, you guys had some crazy dreams? Those are up to God to, 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 to interpret. Interpreta- dreams belong to God. These interpretations belong to God. I had a dream once. I had two dreams. Told everybody about it, and I ended up here. But let me interpret your dreams. Here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. Remember? Uh huh. God's perfect timing was at, oh, he was still convinced of God's revelation to him in his own dreams. He was still convinced of God's revelation to him in his own dreams. Is that the faith you live on? When things get tough in your life and you ask that favorite question I made in the beginning, why is this happening? Is this what you do? Are you still convinced that God is good? Are you still convinced that God's going to take care of you? I love that. If God lined up everybody in the world, is he going to choose you over Joseph? Okay, are you still convinced that God was good in all that situation that Joseph went through? I tried to trick you there. God's perfect timing was at work in the life of Joseph. Joseph's dreams, Joseph with his DoorDash app, watching God right here. That's what Joseph was doing. God's perfect timing was at work, and he was still convinced that these dreams were going to take place. That's faith in hardship. Pharaoh's officers would offend their master. Their timing was perfect. These two guys were going to upset Pharaoh while Joseph was in prison, the dreamer, the only person when God lined everybody up that was going to be able to interpret these two guys' dreams while they were in jail, and they got sent to the jail where Joseph was at. God's perfect timing, your misunderstanding. Why is this happening to me? This would anger Pharaoh and have them sent to prison. They would be placed in the house of the captain of the guard. I'm reading these quick. They were then placed under the charge and care of who? 
Joseph, this all happened for a reason. Joseph would interpret prophetic dreams from the prisoners. He would do this work. He didn't just sit back and go, you know, I had a dream seven years ago. Seven long years ago that my brothers and my dad would bow down to me. I had a dream. And then my brothers stripped me of the robe my dad gave me. And then they sold me because they don't love me. My dad hasn't come looking for me because it's been seven years and I'm still here. And now this woman just falsely accused me. I'm in jail. 89% of Christians would do that right there. I don't know if that was really what God had a plan for my life. But Joseph didn't do this. He did that. He interpreted the dreams. He didn't sit there and say to himself, obviously I'm not a good interpreter of dreams because I'm here. Right? Because his dreams show him lifted up, but his life showed him at the bottom. From when he had the dreams, he went in the complete opposite direction of becoming lifted up to the point where his brothers and his father would bow to him. Right? You see that in the story here? Here we go. The cupbearer's dream was favorable, and he prophesied that he would be restored three days later. I love this. Not only was Joseph chosen, but he was a prophet. The chief baker's fate was not favorable. Didn't want to be that guy. You ever, you ever heard the joke, you know, like the doctor tells you, I got bad news and good news? What's the bad news? Or what's the good news? Well, the good news is you're dying. Oh. You got 48 hours to live. Oh. Well, what's the bad news? I was supposed to call you three days ago. Right? What would life look like if you could see this date? I don't know, but this guy had to do it for three days. I told you you don't want to be him. Here's what your dream means. Pharaoh's going to cut your head off and hang your body from a tree, and the birds are going to eat your flesh. Three days from right now. Tomorrow's Halloween. Monday the 1st. Tuesday the 2nd. Wednesday. Let's just get over the technicalities. It's happening this week. You're sitting in the corner, you're going. <laughs> That's probably what some of the other prisoners were doing. I told you, jail's not a nice place. <laughs> the interpretations did what? They proved to be true. When this happened, I'm sure this encouraged Joseph's faith. Three days later on the Pharaoh's birthday, he had a big old party. And he would restore and execute the prisoners in the way Joseph prophesied. Why is this happening, God? Why did you give me that dream? Why did you show me you were going to do something with me? Why did I end up here? Then you put me in charge. Now I'm in the jail. Now I've just interpreted these guys' dreams. And I'm in Yuba City. 
I don't get it yet. What's going on? What's the plan for my life? It doesn't make sense. Looks like it's working out. I mean, kind of. I don't know. Should I be here right now? Why am I in jail still? This is the things that were going through the mind and the heart of Joseph. Ask yourself what you would be thinking, and then pump that up as what he was feeling and thinking. Here we go. Four. Some significant fact and facts and lessons occurred for Joseph here. First one that was significant is what? He had correctly interpreted the dreams, so that was a good sign for him. He was like, well, I was right. God is still on my side. That butler better not forget about me. I just told him he was going to be saved, and he got saved. This means what, guys? This means he did not misinterpret God's revelation dreams to him. His original dreams now, when he just did this and performed this and told these guys what happened, tells him that this was truth. He was able to grow his faith stronger on believing this. How often does God do that in your life? I said, how often does God do that in your life? He may not, you guys have me crying up here, I'm like snotty. He may not have understood his own imprisonment. So these are the facts and the lessons while he's in jail. Go back again. He had correctly interpreted the dreams. This lets him know that the dreams that God gave to him were in fact on point. He may not have understood his own imprisonment. He still does not understand why he's where he's at. He's still asking himself the big four-letter, four-word question. Why is this happening? The same question you're asking yourself every single day. That question you asked yourself last month. Why am I going across the U.S.? I just found this church. Why is this happening? I don't know what's happening in your life. I'm not Joseph. You're not telling me your dreams. You can text me or call me. We can, you can come over and have some coffee and we'll talk about it. But until you do, I don't know what's going on. But if you come to my house, I might tell you that you'll be restored or... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you want to come over. Let's keep going. Chris, you're not funny. I know. The cupbearer forgot about him in the moment. In the moment. But God did not. The cupbearer forgot about him in the moment. But God, I put my own comma there. It was already there before Stephen Furtick spoke on Friday night. My comma, but God, was already there. But God... But God did not. Joseph had hope and a persistent faith. He most certainly did. Because while he was in prison, 
and he doesn't understand what's going on in his life, and these guys had these crazy dreams, and they'd been there for a while, and he was in charge of them. He's like, dreams and interpretations belong to God. Tell me about your dream. Let's see what God tells us. He had faith. His faith was persistent. What does your faith do? What would your faith look like if you were in jail right now? Sutter County Jail, right down the street right here. And you weren't here on Sunday morning with us, but you'd been here last week. And you're sitting in there, and some young 25-year-old kid, DUI, comes in there, sits down, starts talking about church, how he wants to go to church when he gets out of here. And you'd been going to church, but still ended up there. What encouraging words do you have for him? Thank you, Bill. I appreciate your honesty. His faith was not destroyed by his circumstances. Because the majority of us would be. That's the truth. That's the truth, you guys. That's why when God lined up all the people of the world, all the way around the world, When God lined up all the people all the way around the world and he planned on these events and circumstances happening to that person, he looked around at all of you and he looked around at everybody that was here before you and he looked at everybody that's going to come after us and he looked at everybody he had then and he said, Joseph's the guy. He's going to stay strong in his faith. He's going to stay committed to the dreams I share with him even when every single circumstance in his life goes the wrong way. It's kind of like a Job. Total like a Job here. His faith was not destroyed by his circumstances. I think sometimes as believers when we cry out these questions of why is this happening, we get stuck where it's happening and we don't know how to move on the path anymore, and we just sit right here in the road. We just sit down. We sit there. Because until we know why this is happening, we sit there. Anybody ever done that? You ever heard me say, I don't want to see your hands, I don't want to see honesty. Okay, I want to see your hands. Anybody ever done that? Right. When you don't know what's going on, you sit down and you stop. I don't know what you got me into, God, and I don't know why this is happening, but until we get it figured out, I'm sitting right here. You know what Joseph did? Well, I'm in jail now. I guess I'm taking care of the prisoners. You guys had some crazy dreams? Tell me about it. I got God on my side. <laughs> You're in here with us. Don't worry about those circumstances. I had a dream. I'm going to rule one day. And no matter what's happening in my life, I'm going to live on this dream. I'm going to stand on this promise. What's the promise God put in your life? I don't know what it is. I know what God's promise to me was, a few of them. This is one of them. 
And boy, if the road didn't look like that before I got over here. Tell you that right now. My road's not even on this board. That's what it looked like. And for some reason, I always knew God was right there. I always knew God was taking me through something. I always know and I look back now and I know that every single thing that's ever happened to me in my life built me and molded me and made me so that God could use me today to do what I'm doing. So guess what? This is where it gets really crazy. I am grateful and thankful for all that chaos because of what God's done in my life today. You got to do the same thing. I don't know what your chaos is right now. I don't know what is going on, and I don't know what you've got going on that you're saying to God, why is this happening? But all I can tell you is this. Hold on, grab a Bible verse, store it in your heart, pray on it, lean on it, get here every week, invite people to church, look up, focus here, and everything out here will take care of itself. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for our time. I thank you for your word, Lord. I encourage you to answer the million-dollar question, Lord, why is this happening? Give us a clear-cut vision on what it is you want us to do. Give us a clear-cut vision, Lord, of where you want us to go. And no matter what it takes to get there, Lord, remind us that that's where you're taking us. I thank you for my church, Lord. I thank you for this body of believers, Lord, who stand with me each and every week, Lord. We put up our hands to you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. And I just pray for them in Jesus' name. In your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.